Hey, Jeff, you in the building? I'm in the building again. Yeah, they got to hit a wrong button and took us out. But, you know, uh, we were finishing back up on the uh, on the nonprofits and how they get their money, how they spend their money. Or uh, I'm not I'm not I, I'm, I am not at liberty to say much on it because I really don't understand how the money is set up and do you have to use it for what you ask for do you have to show some a paper trail receipts or or whatever but um going back to what i was trying to finish up on is uh maybe it's time for some of some of these nonprofits to answer some questions and you know maybe let the people know out there what they do um and the same thing with the politicians how do you know uh which nonprofit uh does more work or is more deserving do they all get a, a different chance or each year you select a different one or is it the same nonprofits over and over reaping the benefits um i don't think those are i don't even think those are questions i mean it's pretty it's pretty clear exactly what they do with the money i mean they have a website that you can visit and all this stuff is all public record and it, and it shows you every organization and every amount of what they get and it tells you a description of what they apply for the grant for and what they plan on using it for. Now, there's never gonna be any substantial proof or not that they use the money for, let's say, oh, we used it to get some mulch. Uh, it's not to say that they didn't pay for the mulch and they didn't, they used it for their own paychecks or whatever, you know, you wouldn't be able to tell because, I mean, well, a lot of these nonprofits, you can't even see their tax returns. So, you know, the IRS would know, we wouldn't give it. Well, it's uh. I wonder how. I wonder how often they're they're audited. No, they 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 usually supposed to be audited. You know, you get two to three years to file before the IRS starts to take your status away, and, and you know, certain organizations. A lot of people don't understand about these nonprofits are they have fiscal sponsors. So okay, when you have a fiscal sponsor, they're the ones pretty much doing your paperwork they're doing your finances they're doing they're in charge of your 501c3 and you give them a portion of your grant money that you receive however if you look up the organization itself and you try to see their tax returns you may not see anything because they're under their fiscal sponsor now this fiscal sponsor can have several organizations in there and what happens is these fiscal sponsors they then have the tax returns and they then have all the um all the filings thing is when you look up this one uh fiscal sponsor right there's no telling like exactly because they're just putting it out as their own fiscal sponsor organization so they're putting all these organizations into one and wow. it's hard to really tell where the money's going if you know what i mean you know it's just like okay well all right you you have a million dollars you your expenses are 700k you have 300k in the bank right Okay. But that 300k could be in anybody else's account in that organization. You would never be able to tell. I mean, only the people who would know would be the ones who are in the organization and the fiscal sponsor itself and the IRS. But you know, the I, I, we only we only see returns. So I would love to know who thought of nonprofits, man, and and how they set this up because it it sounds like a tangled web. It is, you know, so easy to say, hey, I'm tax exempt. You know, don't tax me. I just keep getting all this money, donations and stuff like that. You know, and I just feel like, you know, there, there's certain things that need to be said about nonprofits that need to start being coming to question here. 
you know, if you're running a nonprofit, I always remember it's advertised as you're doing a special cause, a charitable cause. You're you're, you're providing a service. Okay. So like it, yeah, but so so it like churches are, are falling to that, correct? Absolutely, they are nonprofits. They are providing a service. You know, you worship, you know, the Lord. You know, um, but it, you know, there, there's. I would hope that they all are doing the right thing um, and not just taking public tax dollars that could probably be used for something more beneficial to the community. And I'm sure there are nonprofits out there that are doing wonderful things and giving back. Um, but I, I can't really say or point my finger at one and say this particular nonprofit is just, you know, doing major things and giving back to the community. I, I just. I guess I got to do my homework. Oh, no, no, don't worry. We're both going to do our homework. And like I said, I've been going and doing a lot of fact searches. So everybody who thinks they're going to keep everything in the dark for long, it, it's not going to, it's going to come out soon. So, but, you know. but like you said on, you know, on the first episode, there's so many nonprofits in the Rockaways for such a, a small locale. Yeah, you would think uh, everything. You would think everything is like you know. You think Playland's coming back or something, right? You would think this place would look better than what it looks. Well, it's a little more than just nonprofits. I mean, they're not developers, uh, you know, and the developers are. RDRC's are, getting RDRC's getting a brand new building on Mont Avenue. How the how the, how the hell does a a nonprofit organization get a, such a large building like that next to a train station? Is it a building, a pre-existing building, or is it a it new building? It was a pre-existing building that was pretty much being re-renovating that cost thousands of dollars. We're not talking $2,000, $5,000, $10,000. We're talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars. How does a little wow. nonprofit like that? Oh, well, wait a second. I said little. They're not little. And I mean, it also makes you wonder, how does a nonprofit organization start from in a storefront, and then all of a sudden they get their own building, they get their own office space, and now they're able to employ people. Now, this is where I have a problem with nonprofits. If you're able to employ people, that means you're able to take a salary, you're able to take all of this, and guess what? All of that stuff is not taxable because they are nonprofits, so they have tax exemption. And I have a problem with that. Well, if you pay your workers, they have to pay their taxes, their federal, state, and... I mean, yeah, you might be right. I hope it's like that, but I mean, you know, they have these things called stipends, Okay. Well, I, I, like I said, a lot of these organizations I don't know that much about. I really can't say what, what is RDRC's function. Um, I, I know we have Rockaway Waterfront Alliance. I know they, they're like a, a, a marine. Uh, they, they do do a lot of uh, stuff with the ocean and the bay with the children, and um, yeah, I see. What the- you don't sound too sure about that. Uh, well, I, I know someone whose child goes there and they they speak of uh, really uh, nice programs they have in there for the kids. So um, I can't knock them, you know, if they're helping the children. You know how I am with, with stuff like that. I, You know, I, I'm a coach. Um, like I said, I help out one of the churches over here with their tutoring program. So if there's anything that's going to take the kids uh, to the next level I have no problem helping out uh, the the Rockaway not um, 
RDRDC, you said. What is it? RDRC? Yeah, RDRC. RDRC. I don't really know what their function is. I've seen them at a lot of functions and meetings, so I don't I don't really know is it a grassroots organization uh that you know brings a community together do I <laughs> see I don't know man I, I'm just you know you know I we, guess... we, we, we're supposed to be talking about poverty pips here and I, you know I ain't gonna bite my tongue for anybody so at the end of the day when we talk about poverty pips I want to see what you're providing to the hood and to the community itself that is beneficial to everybody because if you say oh you're giving people employment you're creating jobs oh you're saving the ocean oh you, you got an after school program how come I still got all these kids outside tearing up stuff how come we still got people out here in a suit standing in front of stop and shop asking for a job well one organization is not going to solve all the problems uh in a given community. Hey, but remember, you we have a lot of nonprofits out here. Goes back to what we said. What is their purpose? Right. Now, maybe, maybe we can invite somebody from RDRC or Rockaway Waterfront Alliance and, and invite them onto the show. Oh, that would be wonderful if they ever come on. You know. You know. Um, that would be wonderful. I, I want to know. You know, there, 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 there was a. I forget the name of the organization, but there was actually a woman who had a nonprofit, and all she did was wake up little kids to go to school. Like, if their parents couldn't do that, you know, I was just like, "Wait, you have a long clock." Wait a second, what? Yeah, I think. I wow, uh, they have nonprofits that to wake up kids. Right. Well, how does she get the? How does she get the key to the to the door? You know, like, how does she get the kids? How does she go inside these places and wake these you kids know, I'm, up? No, I'm sure she rings the bell or, you know, bangs on the door. No, I don't but, know, man. You ring on my bell early in the morning, my mother might cuss you out. But but here's the thing, you know, in the hood, you mean to tell me that somebody else has to wake up a grown-ass person to get their kids up to go to school? That, to me, is, is <laughs> Wait, wait, so, so, wait, wait. She's, she's waking up grown kids. So you, you're telling me, like, college students. Well, she's going to, I think she's waking the parents up first. Wait, so, what? Wait, so wait, wait this is, this is, okay, okay, this is getting real interesting, okay? Allow me to just, like, oh, like seriously, I don't know much about the girl. I met her a few times, but, you know, I don't really know much about that organization. I but, forgot the name of the organization. I forgot. Yeah, but, I know it's probably Rockaway something, like everything else out here, but, um, yeah, you know, I'm just like, okay, wait, so she wakes up parents and wakes up kids. I'm, I'm just like, I'm, I'm extremely lost here. And, I mean, you know, she has a bus, she would take them to school. Okay, okay, that makes a lot of sense now, but I mean, don't they provide buses anywhere? Oh, I don't know. See, I don't know what kind of school they're in or, you know. Right, I, I, I don't know. But here's my thing. Who, who looks into these organizations to find out? If it's legitimate or not, but 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 I mean, is she getting a lot of grant funding though that you know of? Like, is she getting a lot of money for this? Because I can't see anybody writing a check for a hundred thousand dollars to wake kids up. No, no, I, I that part I don't know. I I just never, you know, when she explained it to me, I was like, all right, that's interesting. And then I told her about the tutoring program we had over, and the church, and if the kids needed help, she can she can bring them over there. I knew one of the children in in her program, and he was struggling. In high school, and I told him uh, the tutoring program 
at St. John's Baptist Church is free and if the doors are open every Saturday, 11 to 2 p.m. Okay, okay. And, um, and I really didn't say too much to her after that, but I, I, I never saw any of the kids come to the tutoring program. You know, so I figure if someone has to come to wake you up, you're probably not doing too well in school. Oh, yeah. I mean, but come on. Like, are you kidding me? Like, I, I see, well, here we go. You know, some people will say, oh, well, you don't understand, Jeff. You ain't had to go through it. But I'm just saying, like, you know, my, my mother makes sure I got up in the morning. Oh, and, yeah. And, you know, this is where the conservative side of me comes out. And this is where people hate me and don't like me for what I'm about to say. But I mean, why is it all of a sudden it's became other people's job to raise people's kids? Some somewhere uh, along the line, um, a lot of uh, parents in a, in today's society maybe they don't really understand their role as a parent. But you got to be kidding uh, me though. So you've been a parent for fifteen years, right? So your child's like fifteen years old and doesn't want to get up to go to school, right? And you're you're living in the same household as this person so it's not like you're homeless or this this you know like there's no disconnect with the parents or whatever you, you mean to tell me that life does life sucks so bad for you that you really just can't get up and make sure your son or daughter goes to school i, I i'm like i'm sorry though things like that where like let's say i was a rich person i'm not giving no money to anybody for that i mean i commend the person from trying to like you know raise people's kids and and get on right. I'm not gonna provide because that sounds like families that just you know I don't want to talk bad about nobody but you know that just goes to show me that the families don't either care or it's just like there's no motivation it's a lack of motivation in the household exactly and that's why a lot of our uh, young young children are, are struggling because maybe their parents weren't taught how to be parents maybe they were raised in the same manner Maybe they didn't have the care. Possibly. Maybe nobody was looking over their shoulder or taught them how to be a better person. But you see, know, to know. But see, then we can't just, that's not solving the issue, though, by just like going there and waking up the kids for them. Like, where is the, where's the services for the parents? <laughs> that's a good question. Well, they, they were supposed to build a, a, a career job center by you. Don't you have one? Yeah, Workforce One, yeah, crappy jobs there, though, man. What do you mean by crappy jobs? What kind of jobs I mean, are there? I mean, someone, let's say someone is, like, below the poverty level. Like, okay, they, they just got out of the shelter system. They got their Section 8. They got everything that they need to get themselves back on their feet, right? Okay. And you're telling me that you're expecting this person to become very productive in society and, and make all this money to where they're able to live. I'm not talking about making six figures now. But being able to have like a healthy living and have like a, a generate a decent income. All right. And when I go into a workforce one building and you tell me you have job interviews on the spot for me here, if I just finish a couple of workshops, you help me get out my resume. That stuff is great when you're helping people out. Those little things are great that they do fixing resumes. But then the jobs, okay. the type of jobs that they have coming in there, it's like, all right, I fixed up my resume. I'm doing all these mock interviews. I'm like really doing everything I need to as a person to make myself better. I'm not mad at those people. Like I feel like those are the people that deserve to get all the all the free stuff. But at the same time, don't put them in no interview with Forever 21 and McDonald's. 
Well, who needs a resume for freaking McDonald's? Or yeah, I mean, you know, they hack for it. They do these things like weekly. So they'll have like these jobs come in and then like it's always a security job. It's always McDonald's, Forever 21, Best Buy, Chipotle, or like maybe some receptionist at a dental office. Is that how you look at my people in my community? Is that the type of skills you're looking at them as? Like you, you're looking at people in my neighborhood with, with degrees that just fell on hard times and trying to get a chance. And you're telling me they're only good for minimum wage. Well, then that's a problem. I don't know how long Workforce One has been. How long has it been by you? Well, uh, it's been by me now for about two years. But Workforce One has actually been a nonprofit organization for a long time. Uh, for a long uh, time. And they, they used to be in downtown Brooklyn. We got Brother Lenny in the building. Lenny, how you doing? You do? Yeah, listen, this is like finding it. This is like somebody giving you the coordinates on a GPS. It's <laughs> just not working right. What's going on? <laughs> brother, brother, What's brother, going brother, on? It's been a long time, brother. It's been, it's been too long. What you guys getting into? Go ahead, carry on. Look, we're, we're talking about like uh, the workforce one and, and the nonprofits. What are they actually doing in the neighborhood to, to help the community? So we were talking about workforce one, but Jeff feels like the jobs are really not giving you the type of income to to survive out here, to live. Mm-hmm. You know. and, and, you know, just to further on with my point about that is, is that, okay, I look at people as an individual aspect. Forget about what they are and who they are. I look at it as, okay, this person had enough time to get up in the morning to come to me at my job career center and tell me okay. that they want to better themselves and they want help with they to me to me automatically right there without even asking what your name or where you came from right there shows me that you have some initiative that you want better correct so you walk in there and you say i I tell you this all right well we got your resume fixed up all right you have experience in such and such field right all right i noticed i I set up your work profile and then i go and tell you something insulting like this well if you got five years experience in in, in customer service let's keep it on, on simple terms so if you got five years on, on customer service experience, why am I offering you a job to go and be a security guard? Good question. And the security uh, guard, they'll pay you about, okay, $15 an hour. Some people be like, oh yeah, hell yeah, that's a great start. But then at the same time, it's like, how, what is the, what is the great, what is the future in being a security guard? And I'm knocking no security guards out there, but I'm just saying like, how is that setting them up from coming from poverty into like a place where they can now like live? I mean, that's just like, that's not solving the issue here. You're just, you just get well, if, it's a, if, if it's a young person and they're, you know, they're just getting their feet wet in the workforce. I mean, they could be going to school. And maybe this is just supplementing them. Well, that's fine. Well, maybe. I would say that, that is a, this is an excellent program for people like that, young people. But I'm talking about like adults who just fell out of like, you know, hard times. They've been working for their lives, but now they just fell out. And now they just need to find real career work. Like where is the, in other words, what I'm really trying to get here is that why don't we have trade programs? Why don't we have something that can like teach them a skill? something that they could take on certain licenses why can't we hook them up with like internships okay, and, and, and hospitals and okay do you remember before sandy hit in 2011 when they had this big old grandiose uh thing for uh Arvin east and they said that a trade school would be built right next to Arvin view that would be the first phase of Arvin view it was, it was supposed to be a trade school. 
Now, I can tell you for a fact that for about three months in a row, I just saw a machine pushing rocks and dirt from one side. And they're probably, the and they're probably getting paid ninety dollars an hour to do that. And Jeff, I'm sure you probably was wondering why aren't they digging? All they do is moving the dirt from one side. I, 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 I see it all the time, every day, every morning, every night. And, and I'm just like, okay, Arvard East, I just want to give everybody like a brief, very brief description of what Arvard East was supposed to be. I don't even know if it's still happening. So this was supposed to be 80 acres of land that city-owned HPD Parks Department. They all have a stake in this land. So they wanted to start to get some development ideas. And I'm sure you guys been at the meeting. You're very actively involved in the community. So I'm sure you guys went to some of these meetings where a project has been won, where architecture had built like all these homes and parks and different recreational spaces on the land. And the trade school was included in it. And which would have been a game changer for sure in a community like this. But nobody seems to have any answers on to what has ever happened with these plans now five six years that went by since we've been talking about this and, and nothing's been approved yet no permits anything it's just like what is going on here well it was probably a non-profit who got paid to do a study <laughs> yeah you know what I'm saying? it's musical chairs right i mean isn't that the isn't that the new career oh, you know man. set up a non-profit and, and you know just you know let the money start coming in you know i mean you got to look at everybody's hustle now. You got people out there making tons of money off, like, GoFundMe. <laughs> no. But, I mean, we got to be fair, though. We got we to we be fair, though. I mean, there's some nonprofits out here doing some tremendous work in the community. Okay. And, um, you know, it, 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 oftentimes they're flying under the radar. They're not uh, nonprofits that are out you know, front and center, but there are people who are out there that's making a difference in the day-to-day lives of other people. So I don't want, you know, to just say, well, all nonprofits, right. you know, kind of paint everybody with a broad right. brush. Uh, absolutely not. The case because there's some, non- there's some nonprofits out there that are really doing some real solid work in really impacting the community. I mean, I, I can think right. of one young lady that I met um, was at a meeting with over in Jamaica who is doing a trade type of a nonprofit where she's taking people and teaching them skills in construction. Okay. I met that woman. And, you know, the sisters, you met, you're right, the sister, very positive sister out there doing some great things. Then some other um, nonprofits out here that are you know they're, they're making an impact but again they fly under the radar mm, okay they often they often not recognized for the work they do because they may not be associated with this person or that person but nonetheless they're they're, they're doing some some good work so you know you want to shout out well to no ab- absolutely and I, I just want to, I absolutely i absolutely agree with that 100 percent. and my biggest question to you is how come the reason why they fall under these radar has never wondered why the organizations who do do the good work how come they're so underfunded but then we have these other nonprofits out here who advertise as doing good but then at the same time they're still asking for money from the overall community when they should be providing a service not selling and, and they seem to be getting mm. all the funding 
but but great nonprofits like like her that you know the the, the young woman in Jamaica who I met at that meeting mm-hmm. as well, which I thought was mm-hmm. like fantastic how many people she put in, uh, on construction yeah, jobs. She came in there asking mm-hmm. for more help. And I'm just like, well, you shouldn't even right. have to ask for help because you're proven. Right. <laughs> well, um, recently, uh, there, there are a lot of sewer projects and street work going on. And I'm, I'm being told that the majority of the work is not being fulfilled by residents in the area. Like it set up to be and I was told that it's less than 10% of the workers are coming from here a lot of them are seem to be Polish or Russian coming in from Brooklyn so when these politicians are uh, setting up uh, these programs uh, to these infrastructure programs and then they're they're saying at these meetings they're going to make sure X, Y, and Z is done to employ the local people who are trying to get back to work. Maybe we need to ask them to show us some numbers. How many residents from, let's say, Bayswater or, or Far Rockaway or Arvern were employed in this sewer or street program that's going on? Or all these other things, these bulkheads that are about to take place or or uh, all these other affordable house housing that are going up and Iraqis. How many uh, people from the area are being employed? And you know what? I'm not even going to trust their numbers either. You know what I do? When I start seeing the projects starting to go underway, and I go and I stop and talk to all those construction workers, and I ask them where they're from, I never get... I probably get like one person out of the 20 that say they're from Rockland. But isn't that the, uh, the job of, I, I guess, and, and pardon me being naive, but isn't that the job of Workforce One is to create that pool of workers? That you would think so. Those, they do. I know, mean, they have those programs, the, but they never know, ensure I, that I they get much about them. Uh-huh. Yeah, but if they're getting all this grant money and, and they're supposed to be, they should be uh, front and center with the construction company that's going to do the work. And saying, listen, you know, we have some, we have a workforce here that's looking to be employed. How many of our people can you put to work? That's what they should be doing. But they're not. Well, we we haven't had um, this this affordable the revitalization. They haven't broke. They haven't broken ground per se in terms of uh, anything done. Now, I know that was part of the meetings. Uh, that it was this talk about, you know, the community community benefits agreement where these pool of um, construction jobs would be made available to members of the community to employ them. I'm, you know, again, you know, I'm hoping that that will come to fruition and it's not just talk. I guess time will tell the story on what happens there. But um, unless the developer unless that is really baked into the agreement okay when people once once money exchange hands and contracts are signed it's open season you know what i mean it's not something that you can now come later on and say hey by the way i thought that you're gonna take on 30 30 uh people from the from the community so it's a- you know it's it's, it's gonna be a, a it's gonna be interesting to see how that really works out 
and whether that really comes to you know to fruition. I want us. I'm hoping it does because it would be good for rock. Exactly. But I'm also you know I want to give it time and see what happens. Well, proof is going to be in the pit. In the pit. Yeah, I, I would like to know how many locals were employed when they put this boardwalk back together. Mm. That was a, that that took quite some time and a lot of man hours. I mean, yes, you know, I think yeah. it's also safe to say, here I go again with the devil's advocate, but I think it's also safe to say here that a lot of people have to understand that a lot of these contractors and everything like that, unfortunately, not that I agree with it, unfortunately, they're, they're, le- they're not legally obligated to employ people locally. And I just think that something could be done on a local effort on the politicians of like passing some type of legislation, but I'm not even sure if that would be, even be, you know, constitutionally um, right. But, uh, you know, that you can force businesses to at least hire a certain percentage of, of, of workers in the community. Like, they should make it mandatory law, but I'm just not sure. You know, I'm not a lawyer. I would need to, like, get somebody on the show and explain, like, you know, the, the law aspect of how that would work. But, um, you know, just through some of my prior knowledge and studies in school, I'm sure that there's, there's some way that you can kind of, like, curve that and have businesses be obligated. I mean, companies be obligated to, to you know, hire locally. If you're doing a project in my community, it's only right that you come to mm-hmm. the community itself to build it, and there'll be Correct. no one happier to build it than the community. Correct, mm-hmm. and, and it and it should be that way. So, Jay, going forward, I think it's time for us to invite our councilman and maybe our senator or whoever's involved in these projects, and you know, explain uh, how this is going to be beneficial to the community. How is how are you going to put the community back to work? Because you can build all of these uh, buildings and, and low-income housing or affordable housing or whatever you want to call it. But if you're getting a lot of people that are coming out of the shelter system and you don't have a trades program put in place, but you're going to put them into an apartment, how are they going to pay their rent? Or a hotel. Hmm. Correct. Well, I mean, you raise an interesting point. I can remember when the shelter over here on 67th mm. Street, I remember one of the big conversations uh, at the time was this shelter was supposed to have uh, some kind of job training. I don't know, again, I don't know what's going on inside of there in terms of job training program, which was going to put people back to work. Now, let me be the mm. eternal optimist and say, let's hope that is happening and that people are not just being warehoused and, and whatnot, you know, because there, there, there is some stuff. I mean, when, when I drive around the community or outside of the community, I see people who are directing traffic. Correct. You understand what I'm saying? And I would like to believe that some, some of those jobs are jobs that can go to people in the community if they're not going to the people in the community already. But, you know, the way, the real way how the world functions is I'm a friend of yours, you're a friend of mine, you employ people for me, I employ people for you. That's how politics work, right? People get elected and, you know, this person's uh, son and daughter works at that place. Yeah, that's how a lot of unions work. That's just the way how it goes, right. 
that's the way how it goes. And, you know, in politics, that's part of the Nepotism. They bring their people in. You know? They're going to take care of their own first. But uh, I said, if you you write the checks or you work on the campaigns and you know somebody who needs a job, then it's understood that, you know, you get elected is that, you know, there's going to be a job for someone to come and, you know, work a living work and make a living wage. Yeah, yep. To support themselves at least to the next election cycle, right? Yeah. And you hope that the, you get elected or that you start to network and now you start to move between either different politicians or different agencies. Right, to, right. You know, lead on to a pension or something else. But that's just the way how the real world works. Man, I would like I would like to see a group of young men from the area going to and from one of these major projects that we've been hearing about mm-hmm. you know being employed you know not not hanging on the corner now you know kind of right. getting their life together and maybe they got a little money in their pocket you know you know what now I want to go mm-hmm. to school you know, right. now I want to go to school or go to a trade school and do better for myself mm-hmm. and uh, I think it's also important to mention that these politicians think that they're solving problems all the time oh I'm I have all this affordable housing. I gave all this money in, and I did this. My whole thing is, though, okay, you build affordable housing, but let's say there's people in the shelter system that don't have a job. In order to get into affordable housing, you have to present some type of income. They're not not just taking you in because you got a voucher. They didn't even know that you're working and you can pay the rent, correct? I think that's just how real estate works anyway. But at the same time, you build affordable housing and you present to the community that you're doing something for the community just because you built a brand new building that's affordable with some storefronts. That's not improving a community. That's just improving the value of a community, but it's not improving a community where that's not putting any money in anybody's pocket more. That's not giving them a, a place to live. And then you build all these shelters and hotels. You throw them in there. And you treat these people like they're not human. Well, that seems to be the new hustle now, you know, because you know Best Western is not opening up on Mine Avenue, you know, and you know the La Quinta. Come on, we all knew that was a sham. We all know that's not no destination. Who's coming there? And, and you know <laughs> what? I think I think all three of us in here should like put all our equity and assets together. We should just start a hotel. We'll be millionaires by the next 10 years the way the city's going. Yeah, because all you got to do is wait back and wait for the city to knock on your door. And what do they pay uh, uh, per month per family? What, four, four grand? Yeah, I heard it's like four. I heard That's it's like $4,000 a family. Wow. A well, month. You know, I, 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 I'm sympathetic in that there by the grace of God goes I, right? Okay. Anyone, any one of us can can land in a situation where your world can get turned upside down, be it by health, be it by um, stress or whatever kind of environmental mm-hmm. impact that impacts your life to the point that pushes you off the cliff, so to speak. And for some people that fall off the cliff and given the mental health situation in our community, Sometimes that fall is a rather steep fall, right? So you would hope that there's there's some kind of um, scaffolding underneath, some kind of safety net that catches those people and give them the type of tools that they need to kind of get back on their feet 
and get back into the game of life. Right, right. right? Well, I hope that, that happens. I'm thinking maybe it's time that uh, we ask our councilmen to have a town hall to address some of these concerns because uh, you hear these things at a community board meeting or or you may get an email, but you don't really have all the, the details. Like, for example, with all the dense housing coming to Mata Avenue, uh, okay, there's nothing you could probably do to stop it because the deal has been made with the developer and the developer is in business to make money. So right. what are you giving back to the community? Because we don't need more Dunkin' Donuts and family donuts. We need that shit. You know, we really need some, some services and some really decent uh, businesses to come here. But I'm sure you know that it's going to take a higher income bracket Correct. to break that in. See, 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 now they, they, that's, the, that's the way the conversation gets very interesting. There you go. There you go. Yeah, it's very interesting. I think this is something that has been brought up by a lot of different people. Is now, how do you sustain a community where you are trying to have a somewhat of an equity for the people who live there and at the same time attract the type of businesses? And income that's going to need to sustain those businesses. How do you balance? How do you now well, balance? Yes, yeah. and and I think what's first we need to realize though is a lot of people are under the false uh, preconception that uh that these are going to be one hundred percent affordable. Now, if you go and look at every other affordable housing unit that's been built across the city and all these other communities, mm-hmm. there are only a small percentage of them that are affordable. The, the, the whole entire building is not going to be $400 a month for, for one bedroom. You're going to have units in these buildings that are going to require an income of $80,000 plus. And okay, so what people need to understand high, is yeah. though, like really, I'm not saying that the income levels won't rise. I think they are going to rise. And the reason why is because these developers are not going to build two big buildings and not be able to fill them up. Evidently, there's got to be some type of market to it. Because in order for them to do affordable housing, for what I learned in City Hall, it has to be subsidized by several different areas because all these apartments are definitely worth 2000 a month. They can even go as high as 3000 a month, depending on what kind of building they're building. And right. they're going to need to subsidize a portion of the of the apartments and units mm-hmm. in there in order to get the community in there. Now, the only thing that works in our favor is our lottery chances are, are much greater than any other neighborhood in the city because we live here. But right. if there's only 10 apartments in each building at an affordable rate, how many people are really winning here that live in the community? Well, I think we saw that play out in the uh, affordable housing. Uh, what is that? Over on 40th? Right. Is that 40th right. Street? Edward? We saw, what, what, is that? what was the number there? It was like an astonishing number, like 98,000. It was about 86,000 people applied right. for it. Right. So there, there is a demand for affordable housing now the the issue when you start looking at affordable housing and you put nitra into that bowl and how does that now play out nitra needing 32 billion dollars to completely do an overhaul we all know that that's not going to happen no because they're giving it over to and they're going to need they're going to need federal dollars the city and state can't fund 32 billion right the is taking over. Now, what happened? Who took over Ocean Bay, Jeff? Uh, wave crash. Was that the rat? 
that's the rad program yes right the rad program right okay well see the rad program is a little interesting because it is federally funded but the rap federal it, private yeah. yeah but the good thing about the rap program is though the private developer the, the private owners are the ones who are really going to make like the stake in there like which means that people don't have to worry about dr carson really screwing them over if you're in the rap program because that money's guaranteed it's cleared already and the private developers already took that money and now they're invested into it so 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 has ocean bay become better or worse. Oh, it, it's. I, I think it came better. I'm just tell you off the rip. I think it's much better. Like those people are in a great situation over there. And this is my opinion, though. I mean, the facts may be saying otherwise, but. But let me ask you this, though, because when when you when you talk about private developers and people bringing in this surplus of money to improve a structure or right. building, at some point. You still have to raise rent, right? Right. To maintain that building. Now, but but it's just like so affordable now, housing. My income they're, they're is subsidized not right. But if my income is not rising, correct. With hmm. the increase of rent, by explanation, I am being displaced. Well, right? yeah, well, yeah, yeah, you're absolutely now right. But it won't. Are now it, it, shorter it, it, than what I need. Yeah, what is needed right. to cover my expenses, I have to now look for alternate means of housing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely right about that. But what I would say is, mm-hmm. it's not going to happen as quick as people say it is. Like basically, when you're in the rap program, I'm going to say off the rip at a great estimate that you got ten years to get your stuff together. And and to mm. me, and to <laughs> me, I don't think that's a bad thing because at the end of the day, we can't have people being complacent on what they got just because they're just making it. We need to start in America as a whole. We need to start putting into everybody's minds that you can always do better, that you can always you, mm-hmm. like your current mm-hmm. situation doesn't define your entire life. Now, <laughs> what I really feel bad though, I really feel bad for the people who are on all these HUD subsidies and and other things like that no because problem. those things are not going to be around for too much longer because eventually all the funds are going to exonerate and there'll be no more investment into these old buildings and these old programs with people sitting in them. For an example, if you go down mm-hmm. to lower Manhattan and we got the Rockaway Ferry now, people, I highly suggest you people right. take that ferry down to Wall Street and, and take, take that walk, take that walk mm-hmm. down South Street over there to the projects on, on uh, I believe it's Prince Street and South Street. Mm-hmm. There is a giant building that is being built. It's called One Manhattan. It's a giant building being built right in its backyard. I mean, it's literally a half a block adjacent from a project building in NYCHA. Do you know what the property value of that NYCHA complex will now turn into building something like that? that I mean, this is supposed to be a a 50-story building Mm. that's being put right next to it. And, And this is not some affordable housing building going up this is luxury housing where we're talking now that the starting rents at 3k and up wow so just because you're on these programs people don't be don't be fooled because they're not going to keep us on there for long all the properties are going to be are going to be valuable where nitra can eventually sell these things off to like what they did in ocean bay they they made a deal where they didn't sell the land they're still the landowners but they gave the building rights to the private owners and people need to understand the difference between who owns the land and who owns the buildings wow. remember the buildings is what you live in you don't live on the land that's true 
That is true. Well, in more in more cases, the land is is much more valuable than the buildings. Itself. Right, but that's why nature will always hold right. on to the land itself and let the developers mm-hmm. worry about the buildings because the buildings cost more to maintain. Nature is just going to pay the property tax. Yeah. And I, I think this is a, a, is a trend that you're starting to see. I was in Beth about last week driving through. Okay, cool. And a lot of land that used to be a vacant lot now has like a four-story um, walk-up on it with balconies and the whole bit. And some of them are HBD-approved uh, buildings. Okay. Now, what's interesting about the transformation of Bedford-Stuyvesant, as you've seen in Harlem, as you are starting to see in Rockaway, as you're now starting to see in Jamaica, Queens, of all mm-hmm. places, you're starting to see this 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 push and this pull in terms of uh, affordable housing, and you're starting to see people now say, well. If I've been living in a private house and the landlord says, um, well, you know what? Uh, this rent you've been paying was $1,200 for the last four or five years, <laughs> six, seven years. Well, now I can get two grand, right? Because the area is now becoming gentrified. It's coming more appealing to uh, people who will otherwise say, no, I'm not going to live over there. But now people are looking at the different arteries of transportation how quickly can I get to work? How quickly can I get home? I just recently... So now that becomes appealing. The article over there. Yeah, if anybody knows Brooklyn over there by Wyckoff Hospital, that's like... Yes. Well, uh, Bushwick, right? And that was an old bank that was a fat outlet for years. Oh, yeah. And it is it's yeah. now a Starbucks. And a Chipotle. Yes. Yeah. So don't think it can happen. But see, what's also interesting about those cases is, though, you look at who's who's in the leadership role of these neighborhoods. And when people bring up gentrification, everybody usually ties that into race, which it is about race. But uh, I see all these communities that's been gentrified like that. You're talking about Bedford-Stuyvesant. You're talking about Clinton Hill. We're talking about predominantly traditionally black neighborhoods. And, and okay. And these are not your typical black and Hispanic, black Hispanic, and Hispanic, correct? Especially in the Bushwick area, mm-hmm. and and, and um, right. Mm-hmm. But these people own property. Like we need to, we need to reiterate the people that these people of color and Hispanics have 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 owned property, and they were able to beat this. But at the same time, they had elected representatives and people in their community that looked just like them, and they're the same ones that made the deal at the table to allow the Fat Albert building to be turned into a Chipotle and a Starbucks. Exactly. So you need to, that's something that people need to really keep in mind here is that like, okay, cool. You got a hold on your community. You got a black representative. You got a Hispanic representative, right? But who are they really sitting at the table with? Who are they true friends? Because it's definitely not you because I, I can't remember the last time I see any councilman from any area hang out and play dominoes on the corner of the street with me. <laughs> so... You- <laughs> so don't tell me that oh because he's black that he's gonna have my best interest no you need to look at him as like hey he's black now is he for his people and is he gonna fight for us he or she excuse me I, I gotta stop saying he we need more females in mm-hmm. politics so you know he or she better be doing the right thing and, and, 
and doing what's right by her, him and her as people. Not just by, oh, party affiliation and he looks like me. He or she looks like me. All right, well, fight. Well, let's put the vote. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, that that Bushwick, that whole Bushwick area has been, been kind of interesting in terms of uh, the transformation. I mean, one point it was artists that were starting to make the move into Bushwick when it wasn't always the desirable hip place to be. Now we're starting to see uh, people move into Bushwick. And I remind you that J train that runs what? One, two, three, four stops. And then you at Delancey Street in Manhattan. Right, right, right. Delancey Street is also like a very impoverished neighborhood in Manhattan. Not so much anymore. Correct, Mm. correct. The type of the type of moves that are going on in that lower Manhattan area is phenomenal. Absolutely, absolutely. I think there's Targets. There's, um, I think, um, what's the name of that uh, store? Uh, not Whole Foods. What's uh, the Trader other one? Joe's. Trader Joe's, um, and there are different things that are going down in that lower East Side that you didn't see before. I mean, they're building like crazy. All right. That S. Essex crossing down there. I mean, the area is really becoming. And here again is the example you gave about the building on Prince Street. Right. Because here now comes these buildings <laughs> and that have some affordable um, units in them, but their market rate is well, and they're surrounded by projects. Right. And yeah, and don't think for don't product. think for a second those big money Wall Street guys aren't saying like, hey, to these developers, like, hey, if you want me to buy and invest into this, you you need to change this area. Of course. So now you're starting to see that, and you're starting to see the whole cleanup of Williamsburg, which used to be a more industrial area with paint, yeah, yeah. stuff that was that was left over, but it's now being cleaned up and it's becoming a more appealable place lost and whatnot and these were areas back in the day unless you were a junkie you didn't want to be uh, down absolutely. in that area I, 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 went to, right? I went to high so, school in Williamsburg and when I first went to when I first went to high hmm. school in Williamsburg I was when I attended high school in Williamsburg the transformation was beginning but I remember freshman yeah. year there was nothing around there everything seemed so abandoned I'm like well I was like, well, damn, where the hell did I chose to go to school at? And then yeah. a couple of years later, I started to be like, wow, this is really nice. It's changing. Like, you know, it's like mm-hmm. that that mm-hmm. area has came a long way. I've heard stories of people who lived there for years, you know, and don't get yes. me wrong. Gentrification may be horrible as far as the race aspect and like the economic, you know, uh, what they call it, like uh, disadvantage economics behind it. But there are some uh, benefits. Right. There are some benefits to it, too. And I feel like we right. need these type of people to come to the community and change it because evidently the people That's we coming. the people we got That's in power coming. now and these so-called nonprofits out here claiming they're doing some work. What work are you really doing when they're still coming up in here and they, they, they're just taking and taking? Well, but, but, but let's 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 put a twist okay. on that though, and I want I want to put a twist on that from the constituent side okay. of it because we have seen communities. Uh, where people have lived there f- for years. Okay. Right? And for whatever reason, social economic reason, 
they did not get the resources or did they demand the resources to come in to upgrade, right? In some places you see where people have really not taken care of the community. Correct. We've seen that. We've seen that where people have lived there all their lives. People, you know, you talk about, and I can talk about this because I grew up in Nitra House. Mm-hmm. You know, people urinating in elevators and hallways and stuff like that. So you you see that, and then you see, okay, well, here's the transformation coming because you've been here for 10 years or you've been here for 15 years or you may, may have even been here for 20 years. But in that time that you have been here, you haven't taken care of what you Exactly. Do. So you can't get so mad at the next person for coming in here cleaning that, up right. the neighborhood. Right. So now we got this twist and pull where you say, well, okay. So now this person comes in and sees the beauty in your community and says, you know what? I want to live here and I want the resources. The bad thing that I think about when we start talking about gentrification is everything gets better once it starts yeah, to get gentrified. Now, why it can't get better while I'm living here after I've put in some sweat equity? Let me be the recipient of that hard work. Why do I, I shouldn't have to wait for it to be gentrified to get better transit system, to well, get better food, to get better restaurants. Right? Well, this I is when I always say that. that people need to like start taking their own community by the hand. When you see these, when you see these mm. people standing outside the store in the corner, not up to no good over here begging, mm. trying to hold the door for you, yada yada yada. Yo, start mm. going out there telling them like, yo, this is not this is not the way to do things. Like, you know, I'm not trying to knock your hustle or anything. But you know, you need to right. like we we need to start showing better. Like we need to see we need to show them that we got things under control here. Because when you show that you got things under control, they step to you a lot different. Exactly. But see, a lot of these uh groups that come into the neighborhood under under one pretext, maybe they come in under pretending to be a five five oh one and uh nonprofit and they just mapping out the territory. Whoa, they would had several organizations okay, that did okay. that here in Rockaway. I mean, all of you guys were here for Sandy, right? Kinda. Oh, tell me yeah. that other than Team Rubicon and and the other and the other couple of organizations that helped out, right? That that locally, you know, other locals, you know, I'm not talking about the local ones. I'm talking about all these other nonprofits that came from other side of the country and the world, right? Have you noticed though, they mm-hmm. came here and they helped out just a little bit. They went to certain parts. They most most of the, most of the time they went to like most of the communities where, you know, there's a lot of people of color, a lot of poverty. You know, mm-hmm. and they come here and they give us a little free Clorox bleach. You know, they came in, and gave us some hot plates of food. <laughs> but while we were all concerned, and it's not our fault, we were all concerned about you know getting our lives back together. They were just all sitting there, just scanning and scanning, taking pictures. Ooh, ooh, oh my God, look at Rockaway. There's nothing here. Like this is opportunity right here. It must be a lot of homes. It must be a lot of properties here. I can get cheap. Because they look all abandoned. A lot of people didn't come back after. Yeah, and, and that's another thing. A yeah, lot of yeah. people relocated. So then you don't think they went back there and told their people, like, yo, you know, this place. Nobody, come on. How many people in the world heard of this place really after Sandy? So after Sandy came, you started to see it on the West End. The West End started to really, really mm. develop big time. Now they're calling them own sales restaurant row and all these other things like that up there. Like, they, they've seen a huge 
huge turnaround on that side of town. But I gotta be honest with you, though, Jeff. I gotta when I, I, I gotta be honest yeah. with you and tell and say that there were groups, and um, when I think about Sandy, there were groups that came into Rockaway, and God blessed them for doing so. And I don't know if Rockaway could ever properly thank them because there were groups that came into the east end of Rockaway, right? Right. And showed up day after right. day after day after day. They provided meals. They provided food. I mean, I don't know if, again, Rockaway could properly ever say thank you to all of these groups that really went around and went and rang doorbells and knocked on doors. Are you okay? Right. Are you all right? Is there anything that you that need? I have this. Do you need this? I have that. Do you need that? Is there somebody you need to talk to? I mean, I, I, I really, I, I, I'm always blown away by the humanity that was shown during Rockaway. So, I mean, I, I got to say that, and I saw that the trucks, the people who came in, who fed people, right? And the people who, again, here goes these people fly under the radar. The people who made it happen. Right? The people who fed people and said, well, hey, look, such and such over here didn't eat. Let's make sure that Miss Such and Such gets a meal. Let's hey, I'm, sure I, I'm that, so I'm so uh, happy that to hear that feed. because I'm sorry. Yeah. And, and you know, I can get my mother on this podcast. We didn't experience none of that. Mm -hmm. But wait a minute. You guys did experience some on Thanksgiving. There was there was a group that came into Arvin right apartments and fed people for at least three or four hours thanksgiving meal i know that for a fact because i know some of the people well also there were some people that were uptown that uh, i remember i found out they were giving away heaters and I, wow. I went up yeah, to 129th street at the saint francis but by the time i got there it was all done things up there and the gentleman he's a cool brother I ain't gonna throw him out there but he told them he said you need to take that stuff downtown they need it more than we do we have enough I want most of those stations set up out here the way it was up there I wonder who set that up now, I appreciate all the people that came out here um, I knew a young lady that was a uh, she lived in the Bronx and she went to church and they were here every day. Yeah. Every day. You know, yeah. sometimes, you know, you gotta like, you know, um, it was an organization, probably another nonprofit. Uh, remember it was called Ready Rockaway? Ah, uh, yeah. Heard, I think yeah, I heard it to be, uh, I heard a wildfire. Well, yeah, well, yeah, we we yeah. discussed in part one about wildfire. We're not going to go back to there tonight. Well, but, okay. Uh, okay. okay. It's supposed to be an organization that any kind of disaster or uh, natural disaster that occurs, they're here for the people. And I used to right. always see them at these meetings. And then when Sandy hit, Betty Rockaway was not ready. 
<laughs> wow. Wow. I've never okay. seen him again. I'm sorry, though. I mean, I understand what you're saying, Lenny. And, and I'm actually very happy to hear that people did those things in that part of town. But mm-hmm. I still feel like the East End got everything last. Like, there was times I remember there was a whole week I didn't see not one thing around. And I walked around. I walked from, from Beach 59th Street all the way to St. John's Hospital. And mm-hmm. I couldn't find one place of help for like the first three days and a whole week with nothing. Well, and, and the thing was, though, well, I heard everybody was up in Breezy Point. Everybody was all up there in Rockaway Park. And, and we had people here acting like savages. They over there stealing stuff mm-hmm. from people that don't have nothing more than what they got. I had to walk outside with a baseball bat. But that's what happens when civility breaks down. And, yeah, and you don't have the basic infrastructure and and the needs and the food and the hot water, you know, had nothing, had nobody come out here, you would have seen some barbarism. Yeah, oh, and, sure. and I just felt like, yeah, you know, probably your your community itself is probably very tight. And, and you know, I can say for like, you know, without without giving out too much info, you know, where you're at right now, I would have to say that you, you live in a very good community where a lot of people all get to know their neighbors. And, yeah, we... We work together, and you know, if you didn't know your neighbor before, you knew them now. Oh, you're gonna know them right, now. You know. You're gonna know them now. But here, it was more like survival think, of the fittest. Like you know, you know, I still, right. you know, I still live in middle to low income housing. So, a lot of people didn't have anything, and they lost everything that little bit that they had. So, you right. know, it was a lot of cut. It was cutthroat season, man. Like what they would say, duck and wabbit season. Yeah, and it was just like it was well, scary man you know and, you know i had an older mother at the time it was like you know and course, things got like things got so heated to where like it actually i matured a lot from the situation because it taught me survival skills and it taught me how to be better prepared and now now another storm right. come tomorrow i'll tell you right now i'm the guy you want around right well I, I, i'm, I'm well, good listen you see you see what just came up the gulf and the panhandle and what hit the Carolinas and we still to this day do not have a cert team in place in the Rockaways and this place was devastated every time they have cert training it is not in Rockaway and a lot of the people that may want to help may not have a car or they don't have the means to go all the way to somewhere in the middle of Brooklyn or Manhattan to get the proper training it should be done here but I thought Hold, hold I thought there, I thought there is a certain team in Rockwell. Yeah, I heard there was one too, but I don't know who they are. Maybe they really lo- made their presence though. Um, no, I, I've been to a couple places where I've seen uh, some certain team members. Not from in, Rockaway. in terms, yeah, I, I, yeah I, from Rockaway. Yeah, Lisa George from the senator's office has been fighting to get training out here. Oh well, you're really? saying training. That doesn't mean there's not people out here oh, that's training. already trained, right? No, sir, but you right, need a certain team here. But I, my understanding is that there is a certain team here. Really? You know what? We're gonna have to. Yeah. You know what, Lenny? When we get off this show here, you can. I'll yeah, yeah. Let, give us back that, that information. That, you know, I think that's important. Yeah, I, I reach out to somebody that I know that's on the certain team, but it's you know, it's, it's six years after Sandy, right? We are six years after Sandy. Okay. We still don't have the necessary resources in place. In place that if 
God forbid this Michael or another Sandy or his cousin visit us tomorrow, we still do not have the type of things that no. you would need. And, and I, I personally think they're setting us all up for failure. That's why they say, oh, you know, five years, you'll have all your protection. You know, the base side is not going to get anything done until the next five years. Mm. Yo, come on. Five years, really? Remember, Sandy is almost going to go on 10 years by that time. So remember, these storms come. If you forget, it's only every 100 years. Yeah, so right. we be here when the next one comes. Yeah, right. Yeah, all right. Yeah, tell that. Well, yeah, we don't yeah, know. Tell that to I mean, people in Florida every year. <laughs> you know, you got this, this, this global warming. Exactly. The climate's changing, Ed. The climate is changing rapidly. What they're predicting. That's fake news. Said five years. Of, uh, uh, why would you say? I'm just news? joking. <laughs> you know, like oh, we got. But what it was, what, what they're predicting that was five years ago has now sped exactly. up. Exactly. Triple and quadruple, the actually. They said, that they said it's quadruple. That are going on. Right. The green gases and, the, and everything else that's going on. And then we got somebody on, on Pennsylvania Avenue who's saying, well, you know, this is fake news of global warming. Exactly. So, you know, you've got a very different, different type of messaging that's going on. But in terms of Rockaway specifically, there's a lot that has to be done in Rockaway. We're still, we still haven't learned that. too many lessons. We definitely said that. We haven't, we haven't. And I mean, we you know, our, our, our chances of getting another storm is a lot less than if you lived in North Carolina, Florida. Credit to that. But at the same time, I think they need to understand that us residents here, we want to be more proactive than reactive. So, yeah. you know, we want to just, let's just get it done anyway. I don't care if it doesn't come in 10 or 20 years, 50 years from now. Just have it there. Just just have it in place. Yeah, but who's so, so the plan? Who's formulating the plan? You know what? You understand? We, is it coming from the federal government? Or is there a collaboration between city, state, and fed to say, hey, look, we are on this peninsula surrounded by two bodies of water, Atlantic and Jamaica Bay. What is the hey, plan? I'll tell you right now what the plan should How be. Do you the plan should be to move people off out of this here. peninsula. Right. How do you move them effectively in a timely manner off the peninsula? Everyone is not going to get off the peninsula. Absolutely this not. This will be a mass graveyard. Everyone is not going to get off the peninsula. Correct. So what is now the plan to save as many people as you can? If you are building and you are expanding housing, what's happening with your infrastructure, right? We already know there's 878 going out. We know there's Cross Bay and Marine Park. Everybody's not gonna make it. I, I wrote a letter to the governor three times in a row this year, telling them that they need to make a pedestrian bridge or some type of underpass that could be very accessible to get people to the mainland off this water immediately because two bridges and five towns and the t and if you're building all these housing nah. you're not going to get anybody out not, it's in a safe man now today nah. some person jumped in front of the A train right and I'm using this as an example for a reason oh really the A train wow. they stopped them in both Shocking. directions so imagine if the A train was no longer to get across that bridge because of this disaster that's mm. happening we now no longer have a train to get across. We only can get by foot, a bicycle if you're lucky, and by car. 
imagine mm. all this development going on now over by the sea downtown by the and, and all these other mm. places now we're talking about we're talking about adding another hundred thousand people into this place imagine mm. just imagine to yourselves for a second everyone that three hundred thousand people try to get across two bridges mass chaos it'll be utter they all gonna chaos. take their cars then everybody gonna walk they all gonna take their cars yeah, mass chaos good luck. just good luck you better have a boat I, I think it's it's time to maybe ne- have another town hall meeting out here with the mayor and maybe we can get some answers to some of these questions I mean he came through on a lot of his promises when he came up town uh, at PS 114 because I was there Jeff you were there um and uh we had some issues and we brought it to him and he just he solved it it. exactly and I think it's time for us to have another one here on the east though exactly you know I it's not the lips to the lip service is over we need to see action we need to see uh plans put in place that could actually benefit and help the community you just can't keep adding thousands and thousands and there's no infrastructure in uh you know, out here to sustain it. St. John's Hospital is not enough. Uh, you, know, no. you know, when Peninsula went down, I, I always said there was some funny business behind that anyway. Oh, of course, because now they're going to build housing. Mm. Exactly, you know. Uh, but I, I I think the numbers are scary. And like you said, how are you going to get, how are you going to move these people out of here uh, when, um, let's say, the demographics aren't changing much and you're putting more, more people that may not have the means to get off now. Mm. But now you have life and death situations uh, right in the middle of the ocean in the bay. Correct. Right. Now, here, here, here's what I find interesting is that with all these limitations that are here in, on the peninsula, there's still this magnet attraction right mm-hmm. of people and families moving now traditionally mm-hmm. when people start families what are you looking for they're looking for where's the hospital right cool. is it right. state is it state of art hospital is it have a state of art uh, paternity ward things of that nature right is a cardiac is a state of art cardiac center and all these different things dialysis and all these things that come into it what I find interesting is even on the peninsula with its limitations, you're still having people move here and purchase property, right? With everything that we know of the limitations. So now either they're the, the smartest people in the world or they're the people that are getting ready to get suckered like everybody else, like all of us. But there has to be something that is attracted them other than the beach. And the boardwalk. Correct. Because it's got to be, I mean, St. John's to its credit, got to give them a lot of credit. I, mean, I did a tour that they had this spring and the, the direction that they're under with their CFO is um, night and day. Okay. You know what I mean? Changing the culture of how things are done and how a hospital is really supposed to be connected to a community and how it services its community. So shout out to all of those uh, people over at St. John's Hospital and the leadership for for creating that 
what they have, but even St. John will have his limitations. Well, I say we reach out to Senator Sanders, Councilman Richards, uh, Assemblyperson Pfeffer, Adabo, Michelle Titus, and we start having this dialogue with them because there's still a lot of pressing issues out here that need to be addressed. I, I think it's time to get some answers. You know, we shouldn't have people only come around when it's election time, you know, and uh, start throwing around, you know, numbers and, uh, you know, stuff like that. But it, that's not working. It doesn't work with me. No, I'm smarter than that. You know, I can see the smoke and mirrors. But there are a lot of us out here that uh, don't understand what's going on. They don't realize that this is a, a chessboard and the pieces are being moved. Mm. Where are you going to go? Who would think that, and I'm from Brooklyn, who would think that East New York is developing faster than the Rockaways? Yeah, East New York is on the move. Ridgewood, East New York is on the move. That's barren territory. That's the barrens. That to me is painful. You know, everything out here just moves at a snail pace. You know, we're still putting that, that school in Auburn by the sea. We're still, you know, the foundation ain't even built yet. I didn't have any kids when I, when I came here. One is going on 11 and one is going on 7. Right. This is cool. How are you going to put thousands more people here? You're not building schools. You're not building hospitals. You know, the, the streets are horrible. Everything is flooding. How do you, how do you get away with that? I, I think um, as the constituents change, and the demand is made from grassroots up, I think you will see some change. I think for a long time, this is just my opinion, I think for a long time, a lot of things were were driven by the political. Oh, without a doubt. I don't think a lot of things was necessarily driven from grassroots up. For whatever reason, whether it be designed that way or it's just the way how things were done, but I think um, as you start to see a merging of different people coming into the community, the demands will go up. I mean, constituency constituents have to drive the bus. I think the days the days of, of, of waiting for the deal maker or the kingmaker to come through and solve every problem in your community, I think those days are far and few between. It has to be driven by the constituents and the need for change. Change the other way around. Because the other way around means it's status quo. Right. And status quo is only going to take far. Driven from the from the uh, constituents have to drive the agenda. And oftentimes what I've seen here on this peninsula is that it is driven the other way around. Wow. It's driven the other way around. And that has to change. Well, uh, it's changing fast. Not as fast as some of us like, but uh, it is changing. And 
uh, I think a lot of people are going to be left behind. You think so? Oh yeah, <laughs> if they're not, if they can't be on on our level of thinking right now and seeing what's going on, or they're completely clueless to what we're talking about, they're going to be left behind. And not attend the meetings, uh, making excuses for everything. Mm. Continue to say things like, oh, th- this can't happen to us, or oh, it's nothing we can do about it. Right. But that's by design, though, right? That's really by Without design. A- to, a certain, to a certain extent, that's really by design because that's a mentality, that's a mindset. I, I tell you, years ago, uh, we, we were on this group out here called the Rockway Task Force, and we had a meeting at. Mm-hmm. Where the council was at. Okay. I couldn't find the room where our meeting was at. And I went into a, an office. And I saw this giant map with all these red flags all over it. And I was like staring at it. And it was the peninsula of Rockaway. Mm. So someone came by and he said, Are you looking for uh, the meeting with the task force? And I was like, Yeah, they said, Oh, it's in this room. You know, but I was just like, what are all those red flags on there for? Mm. I get a chance to really focus in on it, but uh, I'm already got plans. I'm already got plans. Well, the, 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 the Rockway Peninsula is, is a very valuable piece of real estate, right? It's a valuable piece of real estate. Let's this is a desert in respects of transportation, entertainment. Um, I believe those things will change, right? Those things are going to tra- change incrementally. I don't think it's going to happen overnight. I think you're starting to see some movement over by Arvin by the sea. Uh, there's a couple of things getting ready to open up over there that's going to spur some other things going on here on the, on the peninsula. But it's, if you have children, it's really an entertainment desert. Oh, yeah. You got to travel for everything. You have to travel for everything that you need. And I think it's, it's, really, it's really tough. And I feel for parents when you're starting to say, well, what now? Where can I send this kid to have some fun? You know what I'm saying? Your child, you should be able to go to a recreation center, enjoy something. You should be able to go and, and and enjoy some amenities within your community like any other community does, but it's very limited here. If you are in Edgemere, where you almost have no fresh food supermarkets, we literally have to walk to get to a bodega, that's tough. Well, and if you don't well, have a car, that's even tougher. Well, they got a lot of community gardens over there. I guess they can get some fresh food from over there. Yeah, pay seven dollars for some eggs. Seven dollars. Seven dollars for some organic <laughs> eggs, huh? <laughs> Damn eggs. Some organic eggs. But you know, it's it's, it's good that the community. We start looking at the statistics of Rockaway in terms of the medical, right? They like you know in terms of high blood pressure, diabetes. All these other ailments. I mean, it's good to see some um, 
fresh food um, supermarkets, I mean, fresh food farms oh, with to have a different mindset on how foods can be consumed in a more healthier way. Now, to the councilman's credit, I know that he's been pushing to have a lot of fresh food um, supermarkets out here for people to have a choice, right? So you hope that the education catches up to the people in terms of choice because, you know, obesity should be a choice, right? I mean, there's some genetic things that are going on, but right. presenting people with things to eat in a healthier way, you educate people. I always believe that the more education you give them to somebody, the more you increase their options and opportunities to do better. So you hope that that's going to happen. Well, maybe, maybe a Trader Joe's is going to come to Mott Avenue, you know. That would be nice. Whole Foods, that would be nice. But it, it, it is crazy that you have to drive to the mainland to go to a Costco's. Why do you have to go to the mainland to go to a Costco's? Why do you have to go all the way to Star Right City to go to a BJ? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Queens is uh, what Rockways is, is chasing, uh, or not chasing. East New York is running away. I'm yeah. like, look at what they have over there. I'm like, wow. I'll, yeah. go, I'll take that one exit on the Belt Parkway as opposed to sitting on that LI going right. out to Long Island all the time. Right, right. I'll take that any day. You know, to get what I need. But um, I want to thank all you guys for coming on tonight. No doubt. Let's do it again. Let's do it again. Good. I say peace to my brothers. Peace from the east. Okay. Thank you for the invitation. It's always good chopping oh, thanks it up. Thanks so much, good It's good to hear from you too, brother. I'll be back out there in the man, trenches soon. Same man. here. Don't worry. Be in the trenches, man. Be in the trenches. A lot going on uh, out no, here. No, I got. I had to. Had to lay low for a while. We need the foot soldiers. Need the. Need the foot soldiers. There you go. Need the foot soldiers. We will be back. So we got. Invite some of these nonprofits and our elected officials to come on and answer some of these questions, and then maybe there won't be a cloud over our thought process if we had some real. Well, listen, have you guys reached out to uh, Manny Silva? Wasn't he the head of Frank at one time? You know what, Jeff? That's something you can look into, Jeff. I'm sure that Manny Manny might have a, a lot of experience dealing with nonprofits and the because there's a there's a story behind here that everybody doesn't see. And again, there are people who are flying under the radar doing some phenomenal things, but you know they're not being recognized. You know, it's sometimes you know you gotta kind of push people out into the spotlight, you know, so people can see what they're doing. I agree with you. Absolutely. I agree, sir. So, so, so Jeff, let's work on Manny. Let's see if we can get the silver in the building. No doubt. Good these brother, questions. Good brother. Absolutely. Good brother. All right. I know I'm out of here. Peace. I'm out of here. Peace. Okay. Peace. Peace out.